The Moon Metal, Chapter 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betsy Bush, in Marquette, Michigan, June 2007. The Moon Metal, by Garrett P. Service. Chapter 5. Wonders of the New Metal. Within a twelve-month after the visit of President Boone and his fellow financiers to the mine of the Grand Teton, a railway had been constructed from Jackson's Hole, connecting with one of the Pacific lines, and the distribution of the new metal was begun. All of Dr. Six's terms had been accepted. United States troops occupied a permanent encampment on the upper waters of the Snake River to afford protection, and as the consignments of precious ingots were hurried east and west on guarded trains, the mints all over the world resumed their activity. Once more a common monetary standard prevailed, and commerce revived as if touched by a magic wand. Artemisium quickly won its way in popular favor. Its matchless beauty alone was enough. Not only was it gladly accepted in the form of money, but its success was instantaneous in the arts. Dr. Six and the inspectors representing the various nations found it difficult to limit the output to the agreed-upon amount. The demand was incessant. Goldsmiths and jewelers continually discovered new excellences in the wonderful metal. Its properties of translucence and refraction enabled skillful artists to perform marvels. By suitable management, a chain of artemisium could be made to resemble a string of vari-colored gems, each separate link having a tint of its own, while as the wearer moved, delicate complementary colors chased one another in rapid undulation from end to end. A fresh charm was added by the new metal to the personal adornment of women, and an enhanced splendor to the pageants of society. Gold, in its palmiest days, had never enjoyed such a vogue. A crowded reception-room or a dinner-party, where artemisium abounded, possessed an indescribable atmosphere of luxury and richness, refined in quality, yet captivating to every sense. Imaginative persons went so far as to aver that the sight and presence of the metal exercised a strangely soothing and dreamy power over the mind, like the influence of moonlight streaming through the treetops on a still, balmy night." The public curiosity in regard to the origin of artemisium was boundless. The various nations published official bulletins in which the general facts, omitting, of course, such incidents as the singular exhibition seen by the visiting financiers on the wall of Dr. Six's office, were detailed to gratify the universal desire for information. President Boone not only submitted the specimens of ore-bearing rock which he had brought from the mine to careful analysis, but also appealed to several of the greatest living chemists and mineralogists to aid him. But they were all equally mystified. The green substance contained in the ore, although differing slightly from ordinary chrysolite, answered all the known tests of that mineral. It was remembered, however, that Dr. Six had said that they would be likely to mistake the substance for chrysolite, and the result of their experiments justified his prediction. Evidently the doctor had gone a stone's cast beyond the chemistry of the day, and just as evidently, he did not mean to reveal his discovery for the benefit of science, nor for the benefit of any pockets except his own. Notwithstanding the failure of the chemist to extract anything from Dr. Six's ore, the public at large never doubted that the secret would be discovered in good time. 
and thousands of prospectors flocked to the Teton Mountains in search of the ore, and without much difficulty they found it. Evidently the doctor had been mistaken in thinking that his mine might be the only one. The new miners hurried specimens of the green-speckled rock to the chemical laboratories for experimentation, and meanwhile began to lay up stores of the ore in anticipation of the time when the proper way to extract the metal should be discovered. But alas, that time did not come. The fresh ore proved to be as refractory as that which had been obtained from Dr. Six, but in the midst of the universal disappointment there came a new sensation. One morning the newspapers glared with a dispatch from Grand Teton Station announcing that the metal itself had been discovered by prospectors on the eastern slope of the main peak. It outcrops in many places, ran the dispatch, and many small nuggets have been picked out of crevices in the rocks. The excitement produced by this news was even greater than when gold was discovered at the South Pole. Again a mad rush was made for the Tetons. The heights around Jackson's Hole and the shores of Jackson's and Jenny's Lakes were quickly dotted with camps, and the military force had to be doubled to keep off the curious and occasionally menacing crowds which gathered in the vicinity and seemed bent on unearthing the great secret locked behind the windowless walls of the mill, where the column of black smoke and the roar of the engine served as reminders of the incredible wealth which the sole possessor of that secret was rolling up. This time no mistake had been made. It was a fact that the metal, in virgin purity, had been discovered scattered in various places on the ledges of the Grand Teton. In a little while thousands had obtained specimens with their own hands. The quantity was distressingly small, considering the number and the eagerness of the seekers, but that it was genuine artemisium not even Dr. Six could have denied. He, however, made no attempt to deny it. "'Yes,' he said, when questioned, "'I find that I have been deceived. "'At first I thought the metal existed only in the form of the green ore. "'But of late I have come upon veins of pure artemisium in my mine. "'I am glad for your sakes, but sorry for my own. "'Still, it may turn out that there is no great amount of free artemisium after all.' "'While the doctor talked in this manner, "'close observers detected a lurking sneer "'which his acquaintances had not noticed "'since Artemisium was first adopted "'as the money basis of the world. "'The crowd that swarmed upon the mountain "'quickly exhausted all of the visible supply of the metal. "'Sometimes they found it in a thin stratum "'at the bottom of crevices, "'where it could be detached in opalescent plates "'and leaves of the thickness of paper.' These superficial deposits, evidently, might have been formed from water holding the metal in solution. Occasionally, deep cracks contained nuggets and wiry masses which looked as if they had run together when molten. The most promising spots were soon staked out in miners' claims, machinery was procured, stock companies were formed, and borings were begun. The enthusiasm arising from the earlier finds and the flattering surface indications caused everybody to work with feverish haste and energy, and within two months one hundred tunnels were piercing the mountain. For a long time nobody was willing to admit the truth which gradually forced itself upon the attention of the miners. The deeper they went, the scarcer became the indications of artemisium. In fact, such deposits as were found were confined to fissures near the surface, but Dr. Six continued to report a surprising increase in the amount of free metal in his mine, and this encouraged all who had not exhausted their capital to push on their tunnels in the hope of finally striking a vein. At length, however, the smaller operators gave up in despair, 
until only one heavily capitalized company remained at work. End of chapter 5 This recording is in the public domain.